0: (laughs) you already like sold okay sold listen no you're absolutely right yeah i can't i can't argue with you
1: hi i'm aaron and welcome to the hip-hop hustle podcast where we explore well you guessed it hip-hop i'll be interviewing the best artists in the game while also taking some time to appreciate some new and classic albums Make sure you like and subscribe to the show and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip hop hustle for any upcoming news and guests. Also, don't forget to check out my new Patreon under hip hop hustle that will give you exclusive content and help me keep the show running and getting better. All right, let's get into it. I love that. Zoom tells us these days when it's been recorded before it never used to do that.
0: Yeah, they probably got lawsuits. It was probably somebody trying to say, oh, well, I didn't know. So now it's like it's telling you, you have to accept it. No, you're not getting one over us on us, bitch. You knew you were being recorded.
1: <laughs> well, we are definitely recording and welcome to the Hip Hop Hustle Podcast. I've got a uh, a great guest today, DJ Beans. Uh, DJ Beans, you've been in the industry for, for a while now. You're absolutely smashing it in the game and... Uh, You've got your project that came out in 2020 Deadly Venoms as well. So that obviously takes like a Wu-Tang inspired feel uh, on there as well. You can definitely feel the samples and and where the inspirations come from, but uh, definitely one of those ones to check out. And you've done tours with like Method Man, Red Man, and some real greats. Obviously you've worked with Edo Terminology as well. So the list goes on and on. So I mean, how's it feel? You've been nominated for awards as well. Like, you must just look back on your career and go, can't even imagine how I started to get to where it is right now.
0: Well, thank you, first of all. I appreciate you having me. Um, I appreciate that because, yeah, I mean, the awards and everything spanned further back, I'd say, you know, towards the beginning, not the beginning of my career, but really the peak of my career. I've been doing this for about 20 years. You know, at one point, I was nominated for 13 awards, and I was constantly on the road, constantly on tour. I miss that aspect because unfortunately, you know, times have changed, things are so much different now. Um, But that was definitely my favorite part of of my career throughout those days and everything. So I'm honored, you know, I was up against so many legendary DJs for a lot of these awards. Out of all of them, I've only won maybe two or three, but super honored. It's one of those, it's an honor to be nominated every single time. You know, it felt really good. Um, And yeah, like touring is something that I had to work my way up to, obviously. But that is my favorite part of everything is getting to see, um, you know, I haven't been out of the country yet. I'm hoping, I'm hoping as things open back up, um, I'll be overseas and everything. But it's just beautiful to be able to get paid First of all, to do what you love and to, to travel, even in the times I wasn't really getting paid like that, still, just being able to do what I love and hitting the road. Um, and all of these people that I've gotten to work with, it's been an honor. Definitely never thought in my days, you know, when I was listening to, to these artists driving my piece of shit car when gas was 99 cents a gallon and stuff like that, <laughs> um, to be working with them and stuff like that now is a super blessing. It's been amazing.
1: So, what is it about touring? Is it the the energy? Is it the hustle? Like, what is it that gets you you going? Is it the crowd? Like, do you have a reason why it just is your favorite part of it?
0: I would definitely say it's it's definitely the live part of it, and knowing that you're a part of and and you know being in control of, of. Something that you know used to be my favorite thing to do would be to be in the crowd and seeing my favorite artists on stage. So for me, it's being able to work with the artists to bring that to life for the fans. So you know when we rehearse um, and stuff like that, and we're putting stuff together, just to know this is what they want. This is gonna make them go crazy. This is we're giving them what they paid for and then some. So it's super exhilarating. You never know what to expect. Um, it's different every single time. So you can put a set together and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, this crowd is not what I thought it was going to be. And you have to go completely different. So it's, it's a high, you know what I mean? It's something that for me, no drug could ever provide what I feel when I'm on stage. Um, And especially when I'm on stage with these artists and you just see the crowd go crazy and you see them spitting things bar for bar and my part being able to get the crowd hyped up for that artist to come on the stage it's just a feeling that i i, I can never feel from anywhere else uh it's it's amazing
1: so interesting because like i look at a dj's job at the beginning to like hype the crowd and i'm like that looks like a tough job because i i remember being in concerts and i'm just waiting for the actual artist Rather than anything else, like I'm just—that's what I'm high. I'm just going like I'm okay. I I've, I get it, but like I'm just counting down. But how do you build the anticipation without the crowd getting like, all right, I've had enough. Just bring out whoever we got to bring out.
0: That right there is one of the biggest challenges, and that's something that definitely comes along with experience. Um, a lot of people believe it or not. I had the worst mic fright of my life at the beginning of my career. And uh, th- this is actually, it's a really fun story. So I'll go ahead. I'll tell the story briefly before I get into it. So um, I had a, a really good friend who was a DJ. Um, his name, shout out to Donnie. He was from Boston, but I met him in Virginia. And he was helping me out when it was coming to, you know, getting my stage presence up, stuff like that. So it came to a point Um, I had wrote this fire rap that these people wanted me to get on. And when we went to the studio, I got behind the mic and I froze. I couldn't do it. Not even just around my friends and stuff like that. So then after that, um, you know, we had a show one night and I was DJing and he was like, hey, get the crowd hype. And I was like, I'm not getting on that mic. I was petrified. I was so scared. Um, so basically, you we remember ended up why going you was was a- Huh?
1: You remember why you were scared? Like, what was it
0: that? I don't know. I get, Cause my whole life, People have told me I have a voice for radio and stuff like that. I don't know what it was. I guess it's some sort of stage fright um, that I clearly don't have anymore. And I still always get that anxiety before I go up on the stage. And I I believe it was Chug D who said, once you lose that feeling of anxiety and the anticipation, you've lost your passion for it. So it's okay. So I stopped feeling so bad about it. But panic mode, I don't know. You know, back in the day, I used to hate hearing my voice on an answering machine and stuff like that. So I don't, I really don't know. I just know I, I would get in front of that mic and I would just be petrified. I couldn't speak. Me, of all people, if any, if people who know me in real life, even then they were like, what the hell? Like, how are you not, how the fuck can you not get on a mic? So I don't know what it was, but uh, we ended up, we went out to uh, West Virginia to a strip club one night. And he was like, all right, come on, you're going to work. And I looked at him like, excuse me? Like, what the fuck do you think this is? I'm going to work. And he was like, if you don't just shut up. So, you know, we went in there and uh, he's like, all right, come with me. So he introduces me to the manager and he was like, oh, this is her. And she was, he was like, yeah. And I'm sitting there like shaking my head, getting ready to punch him in the face. Like, does he think I'm about to go strip? Like, what is what's about to happen here? So the manager pulls me up into the booth. And he's like, okay, so you know, here's your turntables. Here's the list of the girls. Here's the songs that they want. Uh, every 20 minutes, you got to announce this. You have to announce the girls' names. And I said, oh, I see what's going on here. So he just looks at me. He's like, Are you ready? And I just looked at Donnie, and he was like, she's ready. And I was like, fuck you, fuck you. I was so mad. I was sitting there shaking. The night went by. It was just a blur. And, you know, it was the I had to make the announcements like you have a truck in the parking lot with you uh, with the lights on. And of course, I got a Boston accent, too, on top of that. So I had to focus on enunciating and getting the girls names right and all that stuff. The end of the night, all the girls were like coming up into the booth and shit and tipping me mad money. And they were like, yo, you're the first DJ we've ever had that we could understand what they were saying. Uh, You know, you sounded so good and it just it got me hyped up. So I did that for a couple of weekends before you know it. There I am. the mic fright's gone. and you know, I start doing more radio shows and and stuff like that. and and that's where you know, DJ Beans, the personality starts coming out a little bit. So as that plays into the shows, um that still comes with experience. So now I'm over my mic fright. I'm comfortable on the mic. I'm able to talk to the crowd. Um, you know, as I do shows more and more, I start realizing, you know, crowd engagement is just, it's important. So the worst experience I ever went through was on the Smokers Club tour. And in Chicago, I was opening up with Wise P from the Rangers. And this place was packed. And I mean, packed. So I'm getting ready, you know, do my little thing and announce shit on the mic and this crowd is so quiet when I tell you it's like crickets in there so I'm already shitting myself and I go to say something and all of a sudden somebody in the crowd just yells we killed Boston DJs and I was like oh shit so just on a whim I was like well at least you know who I am and second of all this is the Smokers Club tour so somebody pass him the blunt and let's go and I just wise came out and thank god he had shit like shirts to throw to the crowd but holy shit, if I wasn't shaken, because I'm like, you know, we're openers, you know, they they want to see Method Man and Redman. they want to see Be Real, they want the opening acts. So you know what I'm saying? Oh, it was the scariest thing I have ever felt in my life to face that crowd. And so um, at one point, when I was out here in LA, I actually ended up taking improv classes, because that just always stuck in my head that like you've got to be ready you have got to be ready for everything so even taking the acting classes was super dope because it just it taught me how to you know be a little bit more on my toes and it's something I've, I've luckily within my personality i've always been pretty good with but yeah that was um that was probably one of the worst experiences and then you know learning out here in la certain venues are 420 friendly so it came to a point I started explaining to you know the artists don't be in your feelings if they look like they're not enjoying themselves it's different they high, they're enjoying themselves they're just not bouncing around and getting super, super hyped up you know what I mean so that's another thing that I had to learn from my own experience is that you know after the show the people come up to you telling you how great the show was and how much they you enjoyed yourself and in the back of your head you're like fuck I couldn't tell you guys were just standing there but that's when I realized I'm like okay this is all the places you can smoke inside people are just getting high like they're not bouncing off the walls and stuff like that so you know um that's so interesting I I never
1: I'd say I would have never actively thought about that because I'm putting myself in your shoes and I'm like I want the crowd to be hyped I want them to laugh at the jokes I want them to to like actually be ready to go and then I like for me I would also be like, this sucks if they weren't that, because that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to amp them up. You're trying to get them energized. You're trying to get them like riled up. And I think that's part of the anticipation of your job is like, you're just trying to find that line between like getting annoyed, but also getting excited. And you want that, like the room's about to burst and then they walk out. And then that's when like the, they see their, their favorite artists. But, like, if you're not getting that because they're, like, just chilled, it's like, um, do you guys want to be here or?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and the DJ's the DJs worst fear is, is always clearing the dance floor. No DJ in life ever wants to clear the dance floor when you got, because that, that's also the difference between, you know, club DJing and tour DJing. You know, the club, it, it's a very hard job. You've got to keep them dancing all night. Uh, the club owner is not going to bring you back. The managers are going to look at you. You're ruining entire people's nights. So, you know, the club side is also completely different. And, um, I mean, I don't really do that much anymore because I don't have fun doing it because I don't want to play the music that gets them hype like that anymore. So unless I'm, I'm doing like a dance hall set or something that I also enjoy, um, I mean, we've all had to do it, weddings and all of that stuff. It's, it's what you get paid the big bucks to do. But now the clubs don't pay DJs enough. So you can't pay me $250 a night to come play fucking trap music all night. I'm not doing it. I don't enjoy it, and it doesn't pay my bills. So, you know, it's different now too. And that's another reason touring and shows and stuff like that are a lot more fun because I'm so passionate about it that it makes it a lot easier. Like um, when I was on tour with, with, with Benny for the Butcher coming tour, That was a big thing. I ended up having to teach one of the promoters one time because I wasn't booked to be the DJ. I'm literally just DJing for for, for Benny, like Benny and 38 Special. So once you see DJ Beans come to the stage, you know it's that time. It's time for, you know, the headliner or whatever. So it came to a point, um, and the promoter came downstairs, and he's freaking out. And he's like, Beans, the fucking DJ sucks. I need you. And he's like yelling at me. And I was like, Yo that's not, first of all, that's not my problem. I was like, but because we're all on this together and I want it to look good, I'm going to do this. I said, but you have to understand how this is going to fuck a lot of shit up because first of all, they're going to see me come out and they're going to think it's time for Benny. So you're making my job a lot harder right now. Cause on top of that, I'm in show mode, you know, thinking about Benny's set and stuff like that. I think I'm not even going to name the, the people that were there that night. Cause I don't want to call out the promoter and shit, but the bottom line was DJ Beans to the rescue. But of course, I now have to come out and ease the crowd who's pissed off because the DJ's playing some fucking weird shit. Doesn't Who knows? Like, do you know this is a hip hop show, bro? Like, I don't know what you playing. But so I had to go up there and I had to entertain. And luckily, I just pulled out. I think I played like my Wu-Tang set or something. It's just a routine that I knew I had down that, you know, would be dope to get it hyped up before people came on. But, I mean, then I also end up DJing for, like, some of the opening acts and stuff like that, which I normally wouldn't have been doing. But it was great. It was still – it was a dope show. I did what I had to do to bring that energy back up. You know what I'm saying? But that's why um, somebody for me going on tour with, like, Benny and stuff, we had such great vibes because I'm the one that's in the, out there making the crowd go – before everybody's coming out. You know what I mean? Like, I make sure the crowd is hyped before I bring the artist out. So that's not something – all djs do djs have different skill sets like you know some djs can come out there and scratch you with their face and that's how they're going to get the crowd hype you know what i'm saying like for me i'm more of a blender and i'm more of a personality and you know it's it, my style is different i can scratch and stuff but i'm not like a battle dj when it comes to that kind of stuff so you think, and my you apologies t- I, am i frozen because
1: you were frozen but your voice kept going so we heard everything okay. For you know, this is what happens when we do it. it. It's just you know, Zoom's great, but also maybe not the best. But no, nah, it, it's guys, really good. Anybody
0: that's following me knows that I have um, I like to call it an electronic demon that it needs to go, but technology, me, me and technology have this love hate relationship. So, well,
1: who knows? Elon might come to the rescue with Starlink, and internet might be a thousand times better, but I think that's a different conversation. And maybe, uh, you know, Elon. You know, what? whatever. We'll, we'll leave Elon to the side. But um, do you feel, feel like a lot of DJs starting out, they take, you know, their big mistake is they like their taste in music more than they like the crowd. Like, it's, it's, that's what it sounds like. That DJ was more interested in going, I like this shit. And so you're supposed to like it as opposed to I have a particular audience and I should cater to that audience because that's why they paid to be here.
0: See, in this case, um, I definitely, I think it was like the house person that they had just kind of running the sound and everything like that. So um, I think that's exactly what it was in this case. He was like, fuck what these people want to hear. I'm here at work. I'm getting paid either way. So I'm going to play what I want to hear. I definitely think that was the case there. And I think um, this was more of a sound person as opposed to a DJ. So um, I won- I guess I won't chastise him for that. Not but, too much. Just enough. Yeah. Just, just, just enough, just enough. I've let it go. I suppose he probably don't even work there anymore. Uh, but with other DJs starting out though, that's the thing too. Um, I think, you know, I'm a little bit older and stuff like that. So I know when I was younger and I was out DJing like that. So yeah, I was, I, I, I am not, I was, I am a certified record breaker. Like I know how to put things into the mix with a place. Well, that you can still play new music and stuff like that. But you do have to be mindful as a DJ. You can't play what you want. If the next song that you had coming up with something you wanted to hear, but you know this crowd particularly might want to hear something something else. So that's, that's where it comes to being different types of DJs and stuff like that. And that's also something I think you learn. Um, a selfish DJ is never going to make it in a club because You can't, you you are there for other people. So, you know, you you probably, if if a DJ is going to do that, they're not going to be invited back um, to that particular club or to that bar. Uh, When it comes to radio and stuff like that, that's also another thing you have to basically abide by what the stations are telling you to do. So you have to play, uh, you know, a certain playlist. So, you know, different aspects, you're being told what to do. So, you know, for me, that's why I've given up terrestrial radio and I've been with internet radio for so long because the creative uh, the, the creative freedom that they give you is what I love. And that's what I feel like my fan base uh, comes to my mixes for because they know I'm gonna play that stuff that is just fire. And they're gonna hear some things that they may not have heard before. So if I do a guest DJ spot on a different station, I'm going to what I know that station probably wants to hear, but I'm going to put my touch of my style in it as well. So it might be a little more upbeat. I might be playing some top 40 stuff, but you can bet your ass I'm going to find a way to slide in some, you know, more up-tempo underground stuff. So, you know, people like Rim and Benny and stuff like that, they have that kind of stuff, so I can do that. I can still introduce uh, some of their music into more of a mainstream mix if need be so
1: I feel like that's also your job is like because there's a reason they asked you to come on otherwise I could get any person to just put the same track list together but like that unique way of being able to bring your own style your own personality into the mix that they're looking for is kind of the art because otherwise yeah otherwise you can just go to Spotify and just like put a playlist on and no personality pre-record any voices that you want to pre-record. And it's the same shit every single day. You could just like get anyone to do it. So I feel like it's a difficult art to, to master of balancing that.
0: That's It's very true. And that's why uh, for the longest time, you know, when I, my, it was really big. If you were a DJ and you got put on Swerve radio back, um, you know, in the, in the mid two thousands, because, Uh, This was the biggest hip hop internet station, you know, shoot, I think for consecutive years, it was like number three in the world. And I know within not too long of me being on there, uh, the owner came to me and asked me to be the PM program director because he heard Mike's and was like, I would love for you to be in control of, you know, the PM stuff because it's all raw and all of that stuff. So then he eventually handed over to me executive program director. So what that put me in place of was I I was in charge of all the DJs and we had DJs around the world. I was in charge of bringing on the new DJs, but I was also in charge of what was going into the 24-7 rotation. So that's where I had to separate myself. And that's where I also know that I'm really good with my ear because I was able to separate and say, okay, I hate this this is going to be big. Um, you know, so I would know like this needs to be in rotation, you know, during the AM and it was dope the way the owner had it set up for me. So it was like a drag and drop process, but you know, I could put stuff in that was going to be in heavy rotation and the stuff that was only on at night and certain times and stuff like that. So it was a really dope experience for me because that's what it was. It was, um, you know, you never knew what you were going to tune in and hear on Swerve. You hear everything from Drake, you know, at at the time, like Meek Mill and stuff like that was like kind of more on the underground side of things. Uh, But then you would also hear terminology and acrobatic and stuff like that. So that was a really cool experience for me because it also comes along with playing in the clubs. You know, at the time I think I was in, I had gone from Southern Virginia, Northern Virginia, to Southern Virginia back to Boston. So each of these demographics is different. So for instance, I DJed Quad Fest at Radford University and I'll never forget, I did this house party and they just kept feeding me money to keep on going and keep on going. And at the time I was one of the only DJs that had Lil Lil Wayne a milli. And I will tell you like that beat is so high but at the time it was lollipop. That night (laughs) in particular, They kept on feeding me money to keep on spinning and it was raining outside. There's people dancing in the rain. At one point, my whole system shut down because Serato is still like kind of new and I've been DJing for like 10 straight hours. But when I tell you how many times I played lollipop, these college girls, we want to hear lollipop. We want to hear lollipop. And of course, you got to make the college girls happy. I mean, I was picking up the mic like if somebody doesn't bring me jello shots, like, so one point after I had played lollipop about it had to have been a good like twenty something times. I try to break a millie and now the guys around the table stop bugging out. They're like, yo, what is this? And then you know, they're bugging out. And then here come the girls, we wanna hear lollipop. I'm like, oh my God. So you know, of course I didn't try to break a millie again that night. But um man, listen, if that's it the girls are dancing, the girls are happy, the boys are happy. So, you know lollipop god damn it but good work little Wayne. apparently that was the one
1: well that's so true it's like if because the guys come for the girls like let's be honest so if the girls are happy the guys even if the music is not good they're like all right we'll we'll stick it out because there are girls here you know they're not going to be like
0: but you got to keep the girls there so you got to be playing what the girls want to hear you know what i mean so oh boy
1: Do you know, when you mentioned weddings, I feel like weddings would be the worst to do. Because, like, I've been to a few weddings and some of them are really good and some of them are so shit. And the problem is that they're not there to, like, and, and I mean shit because, like, the band sucks or they haven't read the crowd right or they booked the wrong person. I went to a wedding once and they just booked, like, and it's, like, Euro, like, Russian wedding and, like, South Africans and, like, the, it was like an Aussie band and they played Aussie music, and every Russian in the room was like, What the fuck is this? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> every single one. And like they're just like there's just like anthems you have to play. Like you have to play Mr. Saxo Beat. That's gonna get them all pumped. But like you just gotta know the crowd. But like I feel like that's such a hard thing to do to do a wedding because they're you have such a mix of demographics. You got like kids, you got older people and there's people who want to slow dance. And then there's people who just want to party. Like, ah, I'm just talking about it and I'm hating it.
0: Man. So here's the thing about weddings. I don't know the last time I've done a wedding and the only fun weddings I ever did were when DJs were getting married and hired me because it's still different. You so, the best part is about like DJ a DJ's uh, wedding and stuff like that. It depends on who's booking you. And just like you said, you know, it has to be with the crowd, but you get with the bride pretty much beforehand and you know what you're going to be playing. All weddings are the same to an extent where you got to play some prints. You got to play some line stepping, you know, you got to play, you know, the Cupid shuffle and all those kind of shits. And, you know, every wedding has that. You know what I'm saying? So it kind of depends on what it comes down to the the demographic, Um, and that that's a thing. You kind of know when you get into it, but the weddings were paying the big bucks, so that's why I didn't give a fuck. You know, I I would ask, do you guys want me to bring turntables or is this? Because a lot of the times I just have to bring my mixer and my computer. You know what I mean? The only time I'm bringing turntables out is if it's for you know a music loving bride and groom basically um but yeah it's really weddings are, are so much different believe it or not I used to do proms too stuff like oh. that um, and those were the gigs that you wanted those were the big paying those were the big paying jobs you know the four digit jobs and stuff like that so that's and believe it or not as miserable as they were they're the easiest ones because you're not they're not there to hear you scratch they're not here to hear your transitions they're there to dance drink and have a good time not in the proms obviously not drinking publicly anyway but you know with the weddings so that you know you end up having to deal with drunk relatives uh you can't pull the whole no no request thing because you're being paid to be there so shit I had to wear a tux a few times for weddings and stuff like that so they're definitely not the funnest, but they definitely were the bill payers back then. Um, so yeah,
1: these days not anymore. You suck it
0: up for that thirteen hundred dollars for six hours type of shit, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but these days, not anymore. I feel like you know these days weddings aren't paying anything. Everyone's on a budget these days, and
0: nobody is because that's when. So you know that's when everything changed for me was um, when it transitioned over to the iPod DJs. So, you know, I very easily, back in the day, could easily get $500 to be the DJ for the last part of the, you know, the last three hours in the night to go until two in the morning. That was nothing to ask for what, you know, I was worth. And then it, it started coming to a point where this is where the competition came because Now you got the fucking iPods that you can plug in and have a playlist. So the iPod DJ game, you know, even before the controllers and everything were happening, but it was starting with the CDJs and all that. So, you know, we've got our super expensive Technique 1200s. You you know, I I was stubborn. I was a stubborn little dinosaur bitch, even recently, up until I, I upgraded to you know, my Serato ready uh, mixer because it came to a point that other DJs are like, fuck, Beans is make, br- mixing. We got to bring our own mixer because her software is outdated and shit like that. So, you know, I had to do it. Um, but I didn't even get Serato until I had to lug crates through a man's bathroom to a ladder that was like on the wall. And I needed like four security guards just to help me get three of my crates up into the, the booth that night. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to give in and get this Serato shit, whatever it is. Um, which was also expensive, but, you know, when all of this stuff got introduced to the game, there's, you know, these younger cats coming in and, you know, they're only charging a hundred dollars to DJ for the whole night and they don't have to bring turntables and they've got the CDJs and, you know, all this software and stuff like that. And so they were undercutting all of us headlining DJs. So it came to a point, it's either like, okay, do you also want to undercut Do you want to take half of what you're worth? Do you still want to be relevant? What do you want to do now? So it's like, okay, I start taking less than what I'm worth and shit like that. But then it's like, okay, now the promoters and the club owners, everybody's being cheap. Like we can get a DJ for half the price. That's going to do the same thing. You know what I mean? And they had all these things like the sync button and stuff like that. So you didn't really have to know how to DJ. You've got the waves in your face and you can see where you're matching snares and stuff like that. And somebody like me who learned on, you know, regular records. So I was bitter and I'm sure that that held me back a little bit because I was kind of refusing to go with the times because I put in all these years and all this work. And I'm like, these fucking kids are going to come in here and charge a quarter of what we charge and press buttons. Fuck you. So I probably held myself back for a few years when everything was kind of making the turnover because I felt like I was one of the people who went through the trenches. So why should I be getting less? And then it comes to a point that you have to realize, you know, Oh, can't do the woe is me thing. Like it's technology. It's what it is. And people meaning promoters and all, everybody is in it to make money. So if they're going to get somebody that's cheaper than you and basically do the same job. Okay. You know, it's, it's, Newer days and stuff like that. People aren't coming out looking for DJ beans the way they were at the time. So it's like, okay, I can't get 500 a night anymore. So now what? Now what do I do? You know?
1: So what, what would you have done looking back? Because obviously, you know, that's not a sustainable model to get pay, get paid half of what you're worth. So what would you have done? Let's say that happens again. Let's say new tech. Let's say it gets to that point again. They're undercutting. What would you do? How would you just change what you're doing? Because I feel like that's the challenge is like figuring out how do I adapt and where do I go to still make sure that I get paid what I'm worth?
0: So I'll be honest with you. It just happened again. I just had to do it. So I'm looking at the floor for those of you who can't see me because I have recently bought a controller. Everybody (laughs) who knows me, knows how against it I am, but it's different nowadays. It's different. I had to do it. So I had to to make the change. So now asking back, looking back in the past, that's very hard for me to answer because it's one of those things that, okay, I used to do drum and bass and jungle and I stopped doing electronic music to follow my passion of hip hop not knowing that the only DJs in the world that are millionaires are EDM DJs. So I followed my passion, my entire career, which has made it a lot harder where I'm even in a transition right now. Like, okay, I taught myself how to edit videos and build websites and all this other stuff, because the art of the DJ is just, it's almost like it's dead. So what am I supposed to fucking do now? Tours got canceled, all these tours, I've had to reevaluate my entire career path. So that's a hard question for me to answer because it would have to be me choosing between money and choosing between the passion. Because me following my passion and doing what I did because I've been so strong in believing in the craft and what you know it has been and what it has come to is the reason that I'm the DJ that I am now, where I'm one of the only DJs that's still dropping mixtapes and you know, just still. Staying super true to it. And I'm not saying I'm the only DJ, but I'm one of the only ones. So, yes, it makes everything a lot harder, but I know that I've stayed true to it and I've followed my passion this whole time. So, now looking back, and if I wanted to just stay in it for the money and make a living off of it, I would have stayed in the EDM side of things. Um, and I probably would have gotten CDJs, you know? But that's a, that's a really good question. Cause that's really hard for me to answer. Cause like I always say, there's so many things had I done differently, things would be so much different, but I wouldn't be who I am. So that's what it comes down to when it comes to who DJ beans is now is all of those maybe fucked up decisions that I made and, you know, decided to stay true to some shit. So, you know, if I could, could know and have found a balance and been like, I can still be passionate about it, but you know, let me take, 150 dollar gigs and you know throw my controller under my arm and do less of the work but that's also hard for me because it's like I'm half-stepping I'm not you know what I mean it's not like an internal
1: monologue it's like you you're like I'm not really doing what I want to be doing because I think part of it is also as a DJ you like what you do like and then when it's taken away from you the art of it is taken away you're like what's the point it could be anyone up here doing what I'm doing, but I know I feel like, you know, and I am obviously a hip hop head, hence the podcast, but like there's no reason why you couldn't go into EDM now. There's no reason why you couldn't like start just delving because you've got the skill set already. You've got got everything that a DJ would need um, to be able to do that. So, I mean, and the great thing about being a DJ, you only get really better with time. You only because you learn more, you understand the sounds you and you've seen every generation of music. I mean, hip hop wise, you've seen the evolution and how to mix every type of track together. So I don't see why you wouldn't now even be able to do it.
0: And that's a very good point. So that's why um, at this point I've decided to invest and do that because, okay, getting a controller now, seeing DJs that already know what they're doing and have a controller it's like a toy. It's like a big girl toy now. You know what I mean? So it's like, okay. Um, one of the big reasons is too, is I, I had an opportunity recently to, to finish up on a, on a pretty big tour that was going on. But last minute, the equipment seemed to be an issue. So for me, I was like, had I had this controller, I would have said, fuck it. I wouldn't have cared. I would have taken a lower price and just hit the road because it doesn't matter. No matter where I go, I have what I need, right? That's what made me given to get the controller. Because in this case, It's not so much as me, it's still me getting to do what I love. It's just having to um, put a little curve on it. You know what I mean? So in that case, it's different. So uh, that's one of the reasons I got it. And then on top of it, that's why I just upgraded all of my equipment and stuff. That's why I want to punch my computer for it being a jerk right now. Um, But it's basically so I can, you know, keep on keeping up with the times at this point. Because if somebody wants to bring me out as DJ Beans and I'm going to bring my 1200s out, I'll still have my time. Because like you were saying, it's like, if you don't love what you're doing anymore, okay, it's just a job. And in this case, it's like, okay, it's still a job and I should still be blessed. But when it's taking half, if, if it's making half of what I was making before and I no longer enjoy it, then what the fuck is the point, you know? Um, so that's why I think that's that's exactly what I'm doing now with the controller and, and all this other stuff when I'm about to learn how to start doing EDM might be exactly where I end up with the stuff that I'm I'm learning and about to take on, so we'll see. But I feel
1: like you could do some cool shit.
0: Never too late.
1: I feel like you could do some cool shit with like mixing some hip hop feeling into EDM. Like I feel like that's a world that really hasn't been explored. Is like a blend of the genres. Like EDM is not really my thing.
0: It's actually exactly what I was doing. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I'm just going to tell you. So when I was doing it jungle and drum and bass i guess is comparable now to what 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 they call dubstep um because it was hip-hop it was hip-hop and reggae with super hard drums so edm was never really my thing either you know i was a little bit younger so um might have popped a little ecstasy and stuff to you know uh
1: to make it easier
0: learning learning how to be able to deal with that music but that's why i enjoyed the drum and bass and jungle because it was it was hip-hop like you know um Aphrodite would do these incredible remixes with like Fujis and stuff like that with really hard drums so you are absolutely right so that's exactly it that side hasn't it's not out there like that when people think EDM they're just thinking of do, do, do. you know what I'm saying so let me go ahead and maybe reintroduce what I was introduced to by you know learning how to produce and like the the controller I have is dope I put a whole bunch of uh, research into it. Of course, it took me like two and a half, three weeks to pick one, and the one I got is super cheap and it's probably do- doper than a lot of the ones. But of mixing we hooked that up to my regular turntables on top of it, so I'm like, oh my god, this might have really just opened my whole world up. So you know, back then when I was fighting it, had I taken it on then, I'd be a little bit further. So I guess it's it's growth. <laughs> it's I also
1: think like hip hop samples, like the best thing about hip hop is, and you know we talked about, you know, your album, Deadly Venoms, but you, like I mentioned it, but you sample a lot of Wu-Tang samples, a lot of soul samples. And there's something in hip hop that I feel like, I don't know, to me, there's something about just a pleasant, you know, older track that you just find just a little bit to cut that just makes the sound. And I feel like other genres haven't utilized that skill set yet. And if you can find the right kind of, sample into like those other genres it'll just elevate everything i think hip-hop it's a marvel because it's literally the art of finding beats and finding samples and literally figuring out how to cut it together
0: i mean that's definitely the entire foundation of, of hip-hop when it comes down to it is is the soul the jazz the blues the, the so many different samples that just make so many of our favorites. Um, come to life so I agree with that a thousand percent Uh, since I'm not familiar with like current EDM stuff I obviously have to (laughs) find a way to dip down into that without doing drugs and uh, (laughs) exploring and all of that stuff um, to see what's really being done because from what I've seen you know with the most of these DJs and EDM producers that are out there hitting the road they're really I don't want to say they're not doing too much because I mean shit, they are entertaining hundreds and thousands of people. So they're obviously doing something right. But that's you're exactly what you're saying is kind of what I've had in mind when I'm about to start getting into it. So like with Deadly Venoms, that album, the way it came together was just a pure organic blessing because, you know, I don't produce now. I'm a curator. So I'm learning how to produce. Um, so the way I'm putting my new album, Queen of the Underground together is completely different. Now I'm like, you know, I got producers sending me the beat packs and I'm thinking of the artists that would go great on them. So I'm curating, I'm pairing and the way I'm doing it with Queen of the Underground is completely different than what I did with Deadly Venoms. With Deadly Venoms, it was actually only a couple of songs that were recorded specifically for the album. This was me not knowing how I would do uh, coming out with my own album if I don't produce. So it was kind of a test run. So, you know, I reached out to, this was more me reaching out to the homies and being like, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. What do you got for me? So the way that it it fell together so organically, like the Husking and Snow Cream, so organic. Like that was just, he was like, you know what? I have this for this, but I want to give it to you for the album. So like with that, um, the terminology track means so much to me because he was saving that for one of his albums because it's one of his own personal favorites. And he was like, now I'm going to give it to you to put on the album. So that was an honor to me, but one of my favorite tracks on there. Um, so this is the artist not knowing, you know, who's on it or what I'm doing yet. I didn't know what the hell I was doing yet. So that whole, the way that it came together. So that's why when I started seeing the whole Wu-Tang vibe and I started getting the clips together and, you know, putting the intro together, that's when the 36 shots of Venom track came together for me because, you know, uh, Boo Boo and Ito were both in town and Ty Farris was in town and, they all wanted to go to Dirty Digg's house to work on something. I was like, oh, this would be dope. Three dudes, all, right, all these bars all the way through, 36 shots of venom, 36 straight bars of fire. So that was one of the songs that was recorded for the album. So it was just, that was another one. It was just super organic the way it came together. So um, that's how I knew just the way it came together. I'm like, okay, this is what I, I need to be doing this. Cause I've dropped so many mixtapes in my day I mean, hundreds upon hundreds, and I still love to do that because they still, whether people want to act like tapes are relevant or not, it's not the same. Like you said, now you got Spotify playlists and that's how people discover artists, but there's still the collectors and there's still the people like me that I don't want to listen to a playlist and, you know, hear all the monologues and the ads in between. I want it blended all together. So you have to go back and be like, oh, who the fuck was this? And go look at the playlist. To go see who that was. You know what I mean? So it's just, I, I don't know. Like I'm still, there's still a piece of me that's still holding on to the past and still trying to do things like that. But I still want to dive into this, the newer realms of things.
1: Well, but, you know, it actually reminds me of, because I interviewed DJ Chubby Chubb. Who was oh
0: my one, God, I love Chubby Chubb. That's my guy.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, he was he was probably number four, the fourth interview I ever did. So he was really oh. early so he was you know i saw him live because he opened for 50 cent or he dj'd for 50 cent when he came down down to australia yeah um but he's on twitch and he's doing so well on twitch like i saw he's getting awards on twitch and he's just being himself and i feel like every dj could do that like that's what you have is like a personality and so i don't know it's weird because the life of a DJ is not what it used to be. There's those parties and stuff like that. That doesn't exist anymore, but people streaming is, is there Patreon is there. And it's like, sometimes we just got to get with the times, but like, he's one of those guys who's shown how to do it.
0: Definitely. So here's my thing. So with my freaking electronic demon, right? So during the pandemic, you know, I was supposed to be on tour with uh, crooked eye, Um, you know, I had a a whole bunch of underground shows that were being set up. So I ended up having about three tours get canceled. Um, so of course it was the whole issue of fuck, how am I going to get by? So, you know, one of the homies told me get on Twitch. So I couldn't do, and, and people just didn't fucking believe me when they were like, why don't you do Instagram live? Why don't you do Facebook live? And I said, because listen, I get shut down within 15, 30 seconds. Other DJs have been able to get away with it. I have not. So, you know, I've, I've tried to prove to people, finally, people started catching on and realize, okay, she's really not lying. Like I try to get on there and I get shut down. So one of the homies said, go on Twitch. So I'm trying for fucking weeks to stream on Twitch. My shit's just not working. I'm troubleshooting everything and go to come to find out, you know, my laptop is just not compatible. So I have to upgrade everything. So then it comes down to money. Okay. What I ended up doing was I figured out how to upgrade my MacBook myself by spending minimal money and taking tutorials and doing it myself. So um, as I finally get everything up and going, you know that's when everybody's already figured it out on Twitch and all the other DJs are already on there doing it. And you know, I so I I was just like, okay, I'm just gonna go back on Dash Radio and just do my show as I was doing it, but whole time, you know, I've been sitting here doing what I got to do and and finally making money to upgrade everything so I can now stream and I can do all of that stuff now. Uh, It looked like for a little bit of time, things were opening back up. You know, they came to a point a couple months back, I had three shows in one month. So I thought things were back on the up and up and they're not, not so much. So I finally did all of my upgrades so I can start doing that. Um, But you know, it's also taking up the time to it, it's almost like starting from scratch again. I got to do it for hours on end just to get my followers up on there so I can start. People can start tipping me and doing all of that stuff. So I'm proud of Chubby Chubb because he deserves it. That man's been through, you know, he's he's been through a lot. So I was really excited when 50 brought him back on his, his DJ again and he started touring again. He deserved that. I was so happy to see it. Um, and I know some other DJs who have gone on Twitch and have shit made a thousand dollars in a week. I do, but it took all of that time for me to get upgraded just to the point that I had the capabilities to stream like that, because somebody was like, why don't you just do it from your phone? And I'm like, the people can just go on YouTube and listen to music from their phone. Like it might, the quality at least has to be good. Cause you know, it's going to be a listening experience, whether they're on their laptop or their phone, if they're getting shit quality through a phone, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. You know, for me, it's like, if I'm going to do something, I always have to do it the best. Of my abilities I, I won't half step anything because i could have done that but i was like i'm not how am i going to build a following up like that if they're going to be like i'm not going to tune into bean show it's going to be her on her phone with shitty sound quality like
1: now the weird I can just thing go on is,
0: Instagram live and talk to people
1: the weird thing is that people still tune in if you're entertaining that's the weirdest thing is like as long as you're entertaining people don't give a shit Like how many people make TikTok videos and it's like the worst angle and the audio sucks balls and it's just horrible and they love that. So like to me, like I agree because I've been upgrading all my shit as well because like as a podcast, I'm like you can't sound like you're talking through a potato. Like you actually got to sound and people got to understand what you're saying. But at the same time, people like a grimy feel. So I don't know. I I think the hardest part is and I go through this a lot is like, a bit of pride is like because you want to be proud of your work and you want to be like, I want to like what I do and I want to be like, I want to control it. But in the same way as like when you're DJing, you can't control what the crowd likes. So you just got to do it to the crowd. And like it it is what it is. Like the consumer decides at the end of the day.
0: See, and you're enlightening me right now because, you know, now I'm like, damn, you know, I really didn't think about it like that. But I guess it's me just, uh, that's the perfectionist side. You know, I don't even know so much, you know, there's a good friend of mine who keeps on telling me you need to push your ego to the side. I'm like, I don't have an ego, but I guess that's what it really comes down to. Cause you're right. Like if people just want to tune in for me or whatever it is, they're going to tune in regardless of the quality. And for me, I'm like, I just want to deliver the best all the time. You know what I mean? But yeah. I mean, I probably could have done it and just been like, okay, so maybe I can't DJ this time, but I can sit here and talk. You know, I didn't really think about it like that for me. I was just like, I didn't want people to have to sit there and sit through my technical difficulties and, you know, but you're right. If people are going to be entertained, they're going to be entertained, bottom line.
1: And that's why they paid you in the first place, to be honest, is not because you're the same as everybody else, but because... And I feel like also being a female DJ in a male dominated industry, especially with so much experience is something that people would gravitate towards is like, because to be honest, how many female DJs can people name off the top of their heads? I doubt not many, if any, and then you've got all the male DJs. And so there's, there's a gap. There's always been a gap. And I don't know. I just think there's still some some space for you, even though people got onto it first, even though they got there, they've been doing it for a long time. I don't know. I just think there's there's something there, and you won't know unless you try.
0: Do you um? Do you want to be my manager?
1: Do you know what I do <laughs> want to? I, do you know my skill set is motivational speaker? Honestly,
0: <laughs> you already like sold. Okay, sold. Listen. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I can't. I can't argue with you. Yeah, like you have me. I was. They. I was before I got on here. I was like, all right, this is what I have to do today. And now I'm like, damn, maybe I should just randomly go on Twitch today. Um, the thing, you know, with that's Twitch, why I also, yeah. I'm frustrated with my my laptop issues because I usually have my mic set up and everything, but both of my US right now, and I'm wondering why I'm having issues over here. Um, but I have this whole beautiful PC over there that I can. Definitely stream on Twitch with.
1: So well, what you could do is you do a shout out on your Instagram, you do an Instagram live, and you go, "Hey, I'm going to be on Twitch and I'm going to do a set. Anyone? Here's the link. I'm going to be on Twitch at this time. Tune in. And you can, I don't know, I feel you got an audience. They'll funnel. They'll just funnel them in. And
0: you know what's what's crazy at this point too is that whatever Instagram is doing now. So you know, I've always like I said, I've, I've had technical issues all the time everything that I do takes 50 to 60 extra steps for me because you know I have to stop saying it maybe I'm dragging this into my universe by constantly saying about my technical issues um but I'm doing everything to to fix that um but now that Instagram is monetized so like somebody like me I now have the capabilities of badges so you know people can buy a badge. And I guess it's the same thing as tipping or whatever. So Instagram doesn't take a portion of it, but like PayPal or whoever pays you out does. So basically now Instagram is able to monetize and I'm able to monetize. So I realized now when I go on my Instagram live, I can play music and stuff and I don't get shut down. So the last time I was on there, I, can, I wasn't DJing, but it did hit me with, okay, you've reached the limit to how much you can play. So I'm like, oh, okay. so, you know, there's limitations, but I now I can do that. I can get on Instagram live, get my people to come in and be like, all right, we're taking it to Twitch. Here's the link. Like you said, you know, I'll put it up in my story or whatever. But I did set a Twitch up for that and started building up a little audience. And then as I was doing all of my upgrades, I just, yeah, I dropped the ball. I dropped the ball.
1: (laughs) We all do. Honestly, that's what it
0: really is. You're right. And and I, I appreciate you. Um, putting it into that perspective for me, because, uh, you know, I really like, like I said, that's the perfectionist side of me where I'm thinking more along the lines of Hey, this is what I think the fans want, but no, the fans are going to determine what they want. And they're going to tell me they're going to be like, Hey, you sound like shit, you know, send us a notification when it sounds better, or they're going to stick out the technical difficulties and they're going to enjoy it. And, you know, like you said, I, I am a personality. So it would probably They'd probably thoroughly enjoying me watch me go through my technical difficulties and watch me call my equipment a cunt and stuff like that um yeah
1: I you're think, right yeah 100% they would 100% they love unfiltered they don't want fake and they, <laughs> I'm sure you'll you'll definitely have the the thing is you wanting the music that you like and being able to mix it your way You'll have people who want that music as well. Like you can't be the only one on the planet who's like, I only want this. I
0: always say that because, you, you know, if I like something, that means if I feel a certain way about it, there's millions of other people that do too. They just need to hear it. So you're 1,000% you're right because that's why I was saying earlier when it comes down to the, the creative freedom is that, yes, I'm hearing stuff that I think is dope, but that's because I know all these other people are going to think it's dope too. There's going to be people who don't. But just like you said, I'm not gonna be the only one. If I like it as millions of others, it's just a way to get it out there. So if I get on Twitch and only 15 or 20 people came through, but five of those people heard something that they've never heard before, if two of those people or one of those people, I've done my job and I'm fulfilled, it's very true.
1: And you can practice, but like because I'm sure there are things you wanna practice and I'm sure it's we're all the same in the sense that. People may look at you and go, oh, her skill set is perfect. But I know that every artist looks at their skill set and goes, I want to do this better or I want to do that better. And so if you're going to practice it, you might as well do it live or you might as well practice with an audience. I don't know. I think that, yeah, I I just think for you, you could definitely do it. Like I'm talking to you and I'm like, damn, I can see why people would be engaged. I can see why people would want to come back I can see why people would because you're just unfiltered and people don't want filtered anymore people don't want brands we get sold brand shit all the time we just want to hear people and we want to hear them talk however they talk and that's why like people like characters that's why we just like the interesting shit and there's like it's also those people you meet where you're like I fucking kind of hate you but I kind of love you at the same time that's that's me yeah (laughs) (laughs) I I hate that I like you so much that's it's like but you can play into that because it's like you are almost everything that people want to be in the sense that you will say cunt and you will say fuck you and you will say whatever you want to say and that but people don't feel like they can say it and that's like they're out I don't know I just think it's a cool kind of branding thing that you got going well
0: thank first of all I appreciate all of that very much thank you and and I definitely don't have a filter and believe it or not throughout the years i have had to dumb it down a little bit because i definitely I'm, I'm crazy that's for sure um but i do i do appreciate that and I, that's why i feel like I'm, I'm one of those people that people want to hate so bad you know what i'm saying but at the end of the day they're just kind of like yeah damn though no, i can't at the same time I, there's a lot of people that, that probably do hate me for it but it's okay it's what it is um i but, think they hate
1: you because it, not because they don't like you, but and I think a lot of haters go through this, and I, it's because you're the success they wish they were. That's what I, where I legitimately think a lot of haters come from is not because they dislike you, but because they see in you their own potential, or they it's now gone for them, and they and you remind them of themselves, and then they don't like that. And I feel like that's a lot of people out there is like they never went for it or they couldn't go for it. And now they're jealous. And so the way they let it out is by saying they just don't like you or whoever else they don't like.
0: I thoroughly agree with that. Um, and, and trust me, if I could tell you the things that go on in the background of things and the slander and the lies that people will say about me just because uh, coming from grown men. And the thing is, when it comes down to it, it's intimidation. Or that's what it is it might be something that you know they don't like that i did or whatever that the hate always always comes from um you know like a, a, it's, it's malice so at the end of the day it comes from a spot within people that they're not happy with you know what i mean and um it it, it it's crazy how much hate comes from intimidation by you know, grown ass male DJs that I I know, like, I know that they might have better skill sets than me and I'll even publicly go for them and admit that, but they're intimidated because I'm not afraid to get up and ask for something or to introduce myself to somebody. And I'm not kissing ass and I'm not, I'm not in the room acting like a different person because there's a famous person in the room and shit like that. So people hate that about me. You know, it's, I don't kiss ass and I don't need to, people are going to fuck with me and they're not. Um, and that's why I also think there's a lot of people who in the background fuck with me heavy, but publicly they won't because there's so many people that have, you know, so much bullshit to say behind my back. It's like, okay, well, you know, well then I've sat there and I've, I've talked, I've listened to the shit, whatever. So I can't sit here and give her all this love publicly, but you know, in real life and in the background of things, it's all love. I, I deal with that shit on a daily basis. Um, and it's my own fault because as much of a bitch as I am, I'm super soft. So like when I, you know, have faith in an artist or I see something in them, I give them too much. You know what I mean? I, I help too many people um, and I put way too many people first. So at the end of the day, a lot of the people that hate me are people that just don't have access to me anymore, too. You know what I mean? They've drained everything that they could when at the end of the day, I'm probably one of the most fucking awesome people that you could have in your corner. So, you know, fuck, fuck the opportunists and people that have burned that bridge because um, I'm always all love. But at the end of the day, it's fuck you at this point, because I've gone through it enough. I have so many low key haters. That's why it sucks. Like right now, I would you know, this is something I've been big on lately is I don't want to make announcements about an announcement, but I do have some really dope shit that that's happening, um, which is another reason I've been semi more quiet than than I usually am with my loud self. Uh, And it's mainly because of those haters exactly that you're talking about, because I just I don't want anybody's negative energy on anything that I do. Um, So it's sad that I can't even discuss shit that I have you know, coming up just because so many people hate so hot in the background of things, you know? Um, and then and, and I think it's a mix of everything. Like we were just saying, it's people that either weren't brave enough to go and do what I've done or have wanted to be in the position that I was in and they think I got it because I was a female. No, maybe it's because I'm a female, but I, I have a certain personality about me. So, you know, it's not my fault that somebody doesn't have the balls to get up and get it. You know what I'm saying? Like that, yeah, I- that's what has to be done.
1: In hip-hop, no one got shit because they were female. No one got... You speak to any female artist and they know it is rough. It is such a rough industry. And because of because of the roots of the industry, the industry comes from, you know, poverty. It comes from a lack of expression. It comes from, you know, a time and a feeling where it was like dog-eat-dog dog world. So no one's getting like the cherry picked out just because of being a female that doesn't happen especially it definitely didn't happen 20 years ago when you started it a hundred percent didn't happen it didn't. like you look at all the female artists they like I look at Lauren Hill what happened with her career you know she she is one of the great talents in hip-hop ever and she released one solo album in her whole career. there's a reason for that. Insane.
0: That, and that's why and and trust we are given plenty of opportunities to make you know be put in position and stuff like that that happens so whether you fucking bite the apple is up to you, you know what I'm saying, but the majority of these women out here mm-mm. we have to we have to go through so much more being females and uh earning the respect that we have and Trust me, like this is an industry where men will take you, will tell you not to do something because they're going to take your fucking idea and run with it. So, you know, the the, the female empowerment in this shit, like a lot more of us need to unite. And I, I see it a lot. Like, I you know, there's a lot of female artists out there and, you know, producers and stuff like that. Like we, you know, we're definitely uniting and we can do a lot more damage together. You know what I'm saying? But it, this is the shit that we have to battle. Nothing's ever been handed to me because I was a female. Now I'm not going to act like, I know I'm not ugly. So I know there's probably been opportunities that I may have been presented for. Yes, maybe because, but I still had to earn them. My skills or whatever it was still had to get me that position. You know what I mean? Just because you've got a pretty face and shit like that, it doesn't mean that you can, you know, it ends up being more of a perk to whoever you're working with that you end up being a female that can grab that attention and then have the skill set as well. But, um, you know, no position has ever being a female has, has been more of a challenge than uh, a benefit in this industry without a doubt.
1: Well, I mean, you can see it right now, you know, what are the, the biggest hip hop acts women? What do they have to do? And you see that it's sex appeal right now. And, I understand it's also about like female empowerment and taking control back. But at the same time, I look at that and I'm like, you don't see dudes having to do that. You don't see a guy having to twerk on stage. And like, I like I get it. And it is empowering to be able to control it. But at the same time, you know, equality really hits when you have a female artist who doesn't dress sexy, who just, raps bars like i think rhapsody has spoken about this before where she is and she is one of those people who's leading the way in terms of going hey i'm not dressing sexy i'm not twerking on stage you can like me for my bars or for my art and that's it and that's to me where the actual equality comes from and then you should be able to have everyone on the spectrum in terms of mainstream not just like the The artists who are going to shake their ass or and then everybody else is not there that doesn't really count to me because you can't it's we don't have just one male artist out there we got all the spectrum of male artists so you got to have all the spectrum of female artists that's I think there's like a a false equivalency at the moment
0: I definitely I, I agree with that it's like where are you supposed to find the happy medium there um you know I'll I'll give it to Again, shout out to Huff Kingpin, because he's one of them. He kept telling me, like, Beans, what's with the fucking, you're constantly wearing a hoodie and wearing a hat. Like, I used to model back in the day. So when I used to DJ, I used to DJ for 10, 11 hours in stilettos and fly-ass outfits. And it came to a point for me that I wanted people to recognize me for my DJ skills and all of that stuff. So I was depriving myself of the fun part of being a woman, because I just wanted people to respect me. And when it comes down to it, they're going to respect me. They're not, Regardless. So, you know, I'm back to, you know, dress and fly when I want to and stuff like that, because at this point, I mean, I'm getting older, so I want to fucking enjoy (laughs) being able to wear what I want and all that stuff. People are going to view me how the fuck they're going to view me. Now you've got people like Shay Noor is a perfect example. She's gorgeous. She doesn't need to twerk and she doesn't need to drop it like it's hot to grab attention, but she can get dressed up if she wants to. And you know what I'm saying? But she didn't need to do any of that to grab attention. Because she's one of the best MCs out. She's not one of the best female artists out. She's one of the best MCs out, hands fucking down. Production-wise, she's getting doper and doper. You know what I'm saying? Men yeah. can't fucking see her on the mic right now. So what are they? They can't argue. You know what I mean? So they're, they're, and they're not going to deny her either, are they? Because she's dope as fuck. You cannot deny her skills. You know what I'm saying? Well, I feel I like so right now, if you see It's the Raffy, Right. So And then what what if one day, five, six years down the fucking line, Shay comes out and decides to fucking drop it in some knee-high boots real quick. You know how fucking crazy that's gonna be to go down in history? But like you said, it's her choice. And you know what I'm saying? She, so to me, like, you know, when everybody's always talking about Rhapsody and stuff like that, I think Shay is going to be the person to take that torch and carry it on and show that you know this is this is how it can be you can still be beautiful and and be known for your talent and you know what it's going to be harder for Shay because she's not twerking but
1: well, you know funnily the people enough
0: that are her I hear her
1: funnily enough we actually reviewed uh this this podcast started as a review podcast and we reviewed both Rhapsody and Shay Noir on the podcast um, in terms of their albums um and we also did Lauren Hills as well. But that's how it started. We did like an all all female round. But um yeah, it was just so, but like it is interesting because sometimes I think when we see the top artists, we think that it's like leveling out. But in reality, what you gotta see is like, where are the underground artists coming from? Like, is it just the top artist, or is there a middle act where there's like, you know. And I feel like that's where the work needs to come into is like encouraging more people, and it's and it's happening because you have more female artists coming through, but it still is really male dominated. And obviously, because because a uh, hip hop is a it's a sport and it's competition and it's doggy dog. And it's like sometimes it's intimidating and it's scary because like fuck, I don't want, I personally don't want to be a rapper. Like fuck that shit. Like I like I talking about it like but I know number one I don't have the skill set but I also know number two it's just like I love it but I wouldn't want to do it because it is so difficult
0: and that's and that's the thing too so you gotta you gotta give people that credit because it's like okay this is something that so many people see and they glamorize and they want to be a part of but you don't understand like once Once you've made it to that level that you've been trying to reach, it is, it's a completely different life. You have to, you're now an entertainer 24 seven. You know what I'm saying? You can't be seen out in public pissing on a corner. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it doesn't matter what level you're at, whether it's in the underground or not. You know what I mean? Like, Look at, look at Griselda and stuff like that now. You know what I mean? Like, I look at Rome streets and shit like that. And China streets, that's a whole... That's when I think of MCs, you know what I'm saying? China's another one that comes to my mind when it has to come to all this bullshit. So she has to deal with living in the shadow of, of Rome, where, you know what I'm saying? Like, she's built her own name for herself, but it's the same shit. Now, when they go out in public, now, anytime somebody wants to give China some praise, they can't leave Rome's name the fuck out of it. You know what I mean? So that shit is... It, it ends up being a struggle, like the, the success and the happiness that comes with it and all that shit. I thought to myself that shit the other day when I was just when I was putting some stuff together and I said, fuck, man, sometimes I wish I just stayed a fan because my God, like the feeling I used to be able to get you know, go into these shows. And then when you get to meet these artists, and now I'm like, I don't want to fucking meet people in real life anymore. Like, I want to sit here and play their music and love them and shit like that. You know what I'm saying? And it's hard not to just be engulfed in it because when this is what you do all the time, that's who you're dealing with. And you have to see there's so many politics within stuff. That's one of the biggest misconceptions is that, oh, this person's going to, make it big and they're going to bring me on and shit like that. No, honey, you don't come as a package deal. So especially me being a DJ, I can't tell you how many people I've DJed for. And then, you know, whatever they succeed and they blow up or whatever it may be. And then DJ beans is in the dust. Well, sometimes you can, have, DJs are a little bit different. You can take your DJ with you, but when it comes to other levels of stuff, you know what I mean? It's it's not like that. They now have a completely different life that they have to entertain if they want that money to keep on coming in. So You know what I'm saying? Like some people just end up getting left in the dust and it's like, you have to be okay with it. If you want to see that person succeed, not everybody can fight for you as well. This shit is a filthy, dirty fucking industry. And it is not easy if you want to live big, if you don't end up having to, you know, To make it independently and do it like that has been a a blessing amongst the underground at this point that people can eat off of their shit because we now, it is easier for us to be able to do things independently, like drop albums and have 100% of the sales and shit like that. But there's still like, people still like to blacklist and all that kind of little shit that goes on in the background. So it's like, you can only do that, but so far in the underground, but you have to work really hard To make it passionately in the underground side of things so then once you do hit that level like you said it's it's something that not everybody was built for and not everybody can entertain because there's so much other bullshit that comes along with it like you see these artists living big and shit like that well it's not it's not all fucking glitz and glamour. You got to deal with all the bullshit around it. You can't go have a discussion with somebody off in the corner without somebody taking a picture and being like, oh, so-and-so seen together. And then, boom, here come all the rumors, people assuming shit. when they really just walked by each other and dapped each other up and wanted to be like dope album. And y'all want to stop rumors. like, it And especially with the digital age, it's so much worse now. Nothing is private. Social media is going to snitch on you. You cannot lie but for so long (laughs) social media is going to snitch
1: say I think I'd like it for like 12 months to be that famous just for a year give me a taste let me (laughs) you know let me enjoy the fame let me walk down the street
0: that's the thing too you can't you might not be able to just have a taste because you're gonna want the high that comes along with it but you don't want to put that fucking needle in your arm you know what I'm saying (laughs) but hey if you want to enjoy all of this shit, there's other stuff that comes with it. So then you get that one little taste and now, okay, but now I don't want to go out and people don't give me free shit everywhere I go.
1: Yeah. Free you know what shit. I mean? To be honest, it's uh like, I'm just, because like, I just think about Drake's life and I'm like, man, it'd be great to be like Drake's life just for a bit, because I think I'd get annoyed because, you know, to be honest, Drake can't do the shit that I can do. I And I'm not saying in the sense that if talent-wise, like I can go and get a haircut like a normal fucking person. He has to have a barber go to their house. And I actually like going to a barber and I like that experience and I like being able to go out to dinner. But like for 12 months, I think I could handle it. Just be like, hell yeah, I love the attention. Get my ego stroked. But you're right. I also know that if it disappeared like literally the next day, like it will be 365 days on 366, it's all over. I don't think I would handle it very well. You know,
0: that's, that's what I'm saying. Look, it's, it's 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 bittersweet. Everything about it. Like I've seen every side of the industry. You know what I'm saying? And I know what it's like. And it's like you have to decide: Do you want to be comfortable, or do you want to be fucking rich? When it really comes down to it, and there's still ways. There's still ways to be rich, but privacy. Privacy is a privilege and it's something that you give away when you are really that big in the limelight. Like when can you just live? And yes, this, this weighs around all of this stuff, but like I said, you know, it's bittersweet. It's kind of this, it's not really much of a, in between when it comes down to it like do you want to be able to go out to eat somewhere and, and not comb your fucking hair do you want to be able to walk through the mall and have a conversation on your phone because you stressed out and you've just been crying you don't want to do your makeup that day you don't want to comb your hair no you, you have to because then you're a fucking meme for 52 years
1: but i think you might get paid off a meme so you know, positive. I mean,
0: that's a give I don't even know how that works. I'm not famous. I so I know I know I've got gifts on Twitter and shit like that. So like I'm kind of like, but nah.
1: Not it's like 50. You know, you know, all after he did the Super Bowl, everyone was like, oh man, 50 is fat. But then he and he saw all and he reposted them. He like, you know, you can you can actually ride the wave. I feel like 50 is actually amazing at riding the wave of anything that happens in his life. He just rides it and is like, if this is giving giving me attention, I'm going to repost that shit and I'm going to have fun and I'm going to just go with it. But like those memes that came out.
0: He's a rare motherfucker. 50 is rare. (laughs) He's one of the best ever. I love him, but you're right. Like he's, I think 50 is like a perfect example of somebody who's got that balance because people are scared of him. So at the same time, it's like he can live a certain extent that he wants to, because it's going to be fuck you and you don't want 50 on your bad side. So, um, and that's it too. You have to, no pun intended, but you have to have a thick skin. You know what I'm saying? We all go through it. Shit, I'll never forget when I was still kind of in the peak of my career and I got super sick and they kept putting me on steroids. So I went from being a model to like blowing up. And the first time I saw myself on a red carpet, I was just like I, I was depressed. Shit, I didn't come out in public for like over a year, and I wasn't even famous. You know what I mean? I was just known. So, you know, it's just these yeah. days,
1: being jacked is the shit. Everyone, the you know, the stick figure model doesn't exist anymore. Everyone wants to have the dump truck, as they say, and right, they they right. want that that ass. They want like thick legs. That's like the new, which is so much better, to be honest. Than being like super I agree. Skinny. I've never
0: wanted to be skinny, skinny. Like I've always had meat on my bones. I've uh when I even when I was a model, I'm short. So I was a print model. You know what I mean? But at the same time, like I worked out really hard so I could still eat what I wanted and shit like that. And like nowadays, yeah, I work out and stuff like that. And I just luckily the food that I like to eat is healthier. So luckily, um, but I still I, I still gotta put an effort in, but I don't want a six-pack. I don't want to be super skinny. I just want to be able to wear whatever I want. And if I feel like I'm gonna let my gut hang, it's only just a little, little gut, you know. So, you know, it's I'm a little bit older. Things have slowed down, but yeah, I'll never have a dump truck. Look, when I work out, even I got a little bubble. I I was blessed in the front, but you know, nowadays, I was like when 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 the thick thighs and all everybody being sick came back, I was like, okay, well, I mean, I'm good. I mean, I'm not, I'm not built like that, so.
1: Hey, you just got to – you work with what you got at the end of the day. You work <laughs> right. with what Listen, you got.
0: I got my little booty bands that I'd be working out in, but it doesn't matter nowadays anyway. You see everything's Zoom. So, you know, it's just for myself anyway all the time. But, yeah. Yeah. I've never, I've never been a stick figure. And I'll never forget, even when I was, like, my thinnest, I used to have uh, – because I used to bartend and DJ. So it was really dope. This one, the bar that I worked at, I had these regulars, and the wife would always come in like, press on my collarbones and say, you need to eat something. You're too skinny. And I'd be like, girl, I'm fine. Like my stomach, it's always a little softness in there, but it's crazy how women view ourselves. Cause I look at pictures of myself then. And I was like, I used to really look in the mirror and say, oh, you're fat. And I was thin. You know what I mean? I'm not, my dad was a bodybuilder runs in my family. So I, even if I think I was to get skinny, skinny, I could never be skinny like that. I just, it's not my structure. I don't have that. So But even then, I'm just like, how did I look at myself and think I was fat? It's crazy how us women think.
1: Not only women, it's us men too. Trust me, it is.
0: You do? You have to ask yourself, like, do I look fat in these jeans?
1: All the time. I like, even even, because I want to lose some weight. And I've been like, on a, I'm working out a lot. And even still, like, I'm at the gym and I'm like, I still got a lot more work to do. And the people who I'm there with, they're like, no, nah, man, you're looking better. Like you're looking, and I'm like, I'm still a fat shit. Like that. It's, but it's an internal model. And to be fair, I know my myself. I got to be like, you look like shit. If I'm gonna keep working, as soon as I'm like, you look good, I'm gonna start eating trash again. I'm gonna just blow up again, and then I'm gonna have like that's my cycle of like, I look good, and then I stop. And so now I'm really focusing. Oh, you still on like, have
0: to stroke your ego from time to time and be like, nah, you look. You still have to know. Because if you're not seeing the progress, somebody somebody else got to see it.
1: That's true. Look, I'd I'd rather if women told me personally rather than my male friends, but I'll take it. I'll you know <laughs> some.
0: <laughs> you might have to get on your Instagram and like get up there because you know uh, I can your neck up. You know I can't I can't compliment you. Have a beautiful beard. I can tell you, you that much. And it you used do to be not so look so like long. a fat shit by any means to me. Just so you know.
1: It's just the gut. But, you know it's weird. It's like. It's the belly. The belly is like where I gain, like I smell a burger and it goes to my belly, but my legs, my <laughs> arms, like, it's just the, it's this trouble spot. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but it's, I think we're all a work in progress. I think it's the same. Agreed. Like we all want to get better. And like I've started running again and like just doing all these things and I don't know, we all go through it. I think we're all just exactly. like,
0: and like you said, it's work in progress something's better than nothing, first of all. And you know, it's, I'm always big on making your best better. You know what I'm saying? You're never going to be perfect, but get to where you want to be to be happy. Cause for me, I'm actually the exact opposite. If I don't see progress in myself, that's when I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to eat that burger. But for me, if I'm like, Ooh, this dress fits me. It didn't fit a couple of weeks ago. I'm gonna eat this salad. So I end up being, I, I, I end up staying more motivated. Like I'm more driven by love and shit nowadays when, as opposed to back in the day, it was, you know, somebody hates on me. Oh, I'm going to get up and do 14 mixtapes. Now I'm like, you know, it's 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 somebody giving me praise or telling me that I've done something for them that makes me get up and be like, oh, I got to go be the best. Um, as far as taking care of my body and stuff like that, that has been, I've, I've, I've definitely been doing that more. That's been a blessing with the whole panoramic When it comes down to it with, you know, getting into better routines with taking care of myself. Um, I know that was hard to do. And as women, I'll tell you, I don't know about men, but women, when we get stressed out, stress is held in fat cells right in our guts. So if we're stressed out, you can have a great body and be eating right. And it don't matter. You can have a little little bit of right down there because, you know, (laughs) lucky for us. So, you know, the way times have been, it's really hard to take care of yourself and not like for me, I still can't go back to the gym because I can't wear a mask while I'm working out. I have super sensitive sinuses, my skin. So not only do I like, I'll be sneezing inside of my mask. I just, I just can't. So, you know, I'm limited out of this little park and, you know, I do what I can, but for me, I'm more motivated to work out when I have equipment and stuff like that. So it's been... You know, I still been, I, I've gotten back into it recently with doing like my weight training and stuff like that from home, but it's hard with everything that's been going on. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's harder. It's a lot easier to sit around and eat food and do nothing. Um, it's easier to find comfort in those kind of things, you know? So it's not easy. So the fact that you're even out there taking care of yourself right, right, right there alone, you should give yourself a pat on the back. I mean, call yourself a fat shit if that's going to keep you motivated.
1: It will. I, Cause I'm a competitive training. person. I need to compete with people. That's just how I need to, that's how I'm wired. So if I see someone better look in better shape at the gym, I'm like, fuck, I can't be a bitch on this set. I gotta, it's just, and they won't know, but I know. And I, like, I had that feeling yesterday, literally yesterday I went to my one. He had to, my friend had to go back to the gym and was like, are you going to be a beast and do the last set? And I'm like, And I kind of, I was tempted not to, but I was like, I got to. Because if I don't, then someone else will do their last set and they'll look better. And it's just, it's just whatever it is. I just need to, it's just, honestly, it keeps me going. It's it's like, it stops me from being lazy.
0: But that's silent competition. I'm the same way too. In the back of my mind, I can't lie. There's been certain things that I've done just because I'm like, if I don't fucking do it this person is going to and I will be damned if they're going to do it before me when they know it was my like whether they knew it was my idea or not if I just know now somebody else is going to do this they can't beat me to it you know and I'm the same way and that's why I think it's the same thing when I'm at the gym is I know I just walked in this bitch first of all somebody's going to notice if I walk out of here in 10 minutes so I gotta put in at least 45 and I can't just sit in one spot there's people around here and exactly that I think it's the same thing with with rappers, with producers and all that stuff, it's like a a steel sharp and steel type of situation. So being in constant competition with yourself is how you keep yourself going. You know what I'm saying? So there's nothing really, so I'll, I'll make bets with people for something that's gonna benefit myself. Like, okay, if I don't do this, then you have to air this out on Instagram. You know, like if it comes to like quitting smoking or something like that, like if you see me smoking, then you know, god forbid so you know you have to go and say this about me on instagram to save myself from myself sometimes but that's what it is it's a competition like i can't lose this bet even though like i forced the bet (laughs) i still can't lose it so
1: yeah my brother did that to me uh in october he said because he's very fit and he's in great shape and he's and i hate running i've always hated running (laughs) I, i i'm i'm feel much better in the water i used to compete when i was swimming but um he was oh, like, no,
0: "Wait, you froze on my end.
1: Hold on." <laughs> All right, I can, I can kind of hear you. I think it was my internet that time, to be honest. Was
0: it?
1: Well, mine said okay. my internet. You know, I have the demon as well. He's just come through your side and come into mine. So, uh, I'm
0: sorry, <laughs> I put my demon on you. I can hear you now, though. So I want. Can you, can you run that back? So yeah. you said your brother. is my brother. very Thin.
1: No, my brother's in great shape. He's just. He's really okay. motivated. And he's very fit, Um, but in October last year, he bet me if I like, he asked me, my birthday is in July. For my birthday, will you run ten k with me? And, and, and I like an idiot was like yes because I saw it as a challenge, and if someone challenges me, I've got to show you that I can do it. Even and as soon as I said yes, I hated myself for saying yes, but last friday i hit 10k with like 3 months to go so now i'm like shit okay now now it's just like i just need to compete everything someone needs to challenge me <laughs> and do anything and that's how i'm going to do it.
0: well congratulations first of all cuz holy shit i can't run like that so that's big so now you now you have to move on to your next challenge now that's you got the next one up a now, bit. now
1: a different friend of mine uh, asked if i'd do a half marathon and like a moron, I said, fine. And now I hate myself even more.
0: <laughs> but you're going to be so in shape. See, running has never been a strong point for me. Like I walked 52 miles, but I can't run for shit. So I got oh, to salute you to that.
1: It's not fast. It's barely faster than walking. But um, <laughs> <laughs> like if you think I'm doing five minute kilometers, there is no chance it is so goddamn slow and it's so long and I hate it because it takes forever like that's <laughs> the problem like if I could do well, it
0: even better that you're accomplishing that because oh to finish something like that that's so grueling that you hate
1: yeah do it I can kind of understand how people like it like I can understand the mindset and when it's like I've had the odd run where it actually feels like you get into a meditative state where it's like, you're not add, thinking about
0: happened. it. Real? But
1: like barely for me, I when I was swimming, that used to happen when like we were just doing K's and then just like your head, it just goes in a different place and your body's like automatic. That was the best feeling ever. I haven't had that feeling when I'm running because every step is like, don't stop. And it's just like a <laughs> constant. Don't stop. Don't quit set like mini goals. Um, But yeah.
0: But what, okay. So when you do the half marathon though, what if you Mm -hmm. experience that like real runner's high?
1: I don't know. You end
0: up loving it. You might end up loving it.
1: Yeah. I might end up loving it. And then I mean, realistically, and I hate that I'm even putting this out there and I'm going to hate myself. As soon as we stop this, I'm going to be like, you're the biggest idiot in the world because you've said this publicly, but I think, because I'm a moron, I'm going to be like I did 21. Time to set a new goal, and a half marathon is 21 k's. And so inevitably, because I'm an idiot, I'm going to be like, should I go for a full marathon? Can I do it? And I don't know. Look, I to be honest, right now I really don't want to because it's just a long time.
0: But you do because you love the competition with yourself.
1: That's it, yeah, it, I like it, the contest. It,
0: it, it, yes. So you have to have a challenge at all times, clearly. Yeah. So get to your half marathon, and then we will revisit this. And I will call you out. I now, but then I have no, I can't call you out unless I challenge myself to do. Yeah,
1: see? Now you gotta start running. This is how it works. This is how it works. I don't want to
0: run. I hate running.
1: That's my that was my attitude. That was exactly it. That was exactly my attitude. Is like but i hate it
0: i did say i need to start getting up early though and like working out early because i'm a, i work out late night like i work out at ridiculous hours of the night and I, I don't think that's smart so i've been telling myself i need to get up early and work out early
1: yeah I so like, maybe i should do I mean, I like I should morning taking
0: little runs like a morning
1: yeah i i personally i'm an early riser like i like it it just makes me feel better, it gives me energy, I'm awake. But then by it hits 9 30 and I'm like, all right, I'm I'm done for the day. Cause I've been up right? since like 5 30 or 6. And it's like, all right, enough. People don't talk to me anymore. I'm I'm ready to just like get in bed.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm a. so I recently I got hit with the evil delta and I was down. When I really? tell you down, like when I tell you my energy levels were so scary low, I couldn't figure out what was going on, even like because I was really sick for like, I want to say it was 15 days straight. But then after that, I couldn't get my energy levels up. I couldn't get anything done. If I would try to like, I've never, I've always been a super insomniac. So my sleep schedules are always trash. If I did go to sleep, I'm going to sleep at like five in the morning and I'm still popping up by seven or eight. I'm an early riser too. So I was taking like, I'd take a mid afternoon power nap if I was going to sleep, but otherwise it's like anywhere from 24 to three days up straight. And I don't go to sleep until I start seeing shit. Cause I'm like, okay, if I don't go to sleep, <laughs> it's like I'm not going to get anything done anyway.
1: Yeah, that internet so demon is real at that time.
0: Oh my God. So I, uh, so when, when this shit happened, I started talking to some other people who got sick too, and they were saying the same things. And uh, you know, my, my best friend's um, niece is like a nurse and stuff. And she was saying, you know, it could take anywhere from like three to six months before people gain their energy levels back. So I was like, okay, I started, like not beating myself up so bad. And I said, all right, maybe this is just forced rest. So recently now, I finally, just in the past few weeks, have gotten my energy levels back up to normal. And there would be a couple of days where I would stay up for like two, three days and I could see in myself like, bitch, you looking crazy. Like sleep deprived beans is next level. You want to talk about unfiltered? Oh no. If you go watch the last episode I did with Mike Powers and we were talking about um, Jim Jones learning how to kiss from his mom. I'm like over the top because that was sleep-deprived beans. So now I've actually been like doing the whole sleep thing, (laughs) like kind of normal hours. I
1: mean. Yeah. It's weird that humans made sleep. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. It is, but.
0: It, the levels of of uh, me getting shit done, my productivity has still been just as high, if not higher, than when I was, you know, staying up for days on end. So I'm like, okay, I get it now. Here I am at um 41, <clears throat> at 27, just now realizing. Yeah, you just had your 27th <laughs> so birthday, like, right? Yes, yeah, thank you. I was like,
1: You're a oh, year you younger know. than me.
0: Man, don't we look great for our age? Yeah, I know. No, I'm really, I look I, like, I, like I, this since i was 16, to, to be honest. I'm 56.
1: I look like this since I was 16.
0: You got a, you got a beard when you were 14. and it's I started been.
1: shaving when I started high school. So what was I like 13 is when I for the shave for the first time or 12 around there. Yeah. Growing a beard yeah, has men never in been their, a challenge. Men in
0: their their 30s, I can't even get the pubes on their chin. So
1: literally I'm scared now because I'm finding like They're white dang. hairs in my beard. Um, and I'm like, oh shit, I got to pull them out.
0: <laughs> so That's the thing I... I Keep my hair braided so much that uh, at this point, if I do
1: have any grays, I wouldn't know. So, I, I actually would not so. mind being right. a silver fox. Like, I'm actually looking forward to that stage in my life. But it's I like I'm not looking forward to. I just want to be there overnight. Actually, no, I don't. That not would scare the shit transition. out of me. Actually, that would scare the shit out of me if I, that happened overnight. I think I'd die the next day. Maybe the slow transition is better. I take that back. Probably.
0: <laughs> Probably we don't we don't want you to die of a heart attack before you get to enjoy the silver the silver fox stage yeah because that's the thing men look good with that kind of stuff I know women can pull off the salt and pepper look too I'm personally not looking forward to it you know the whole being older and having like an actual skincare regimen and shit is like oh this is all stuff you're supposed to be worried about your whole life like oh had I done oh I don't know how ago. women
1: do it I like look my my exes, like their regimes are like, I got to put this on. It's like putting another layer of skin on. I've got no idea what the fuck is going on. They're like, I got to do this and do this and do this. And And I'm just looking there going, it takes you 45 minutes to go to bed. No wonder you want to go to bed at like 8.30 because it can take you 45 minutes. You need an hour shower. You need 45 minutes to put you. And to be fair, I couldn't do it any faster if I had to put on all the shit that they put on. Because you gotta, it's well, look,
0: like, I guarantee you're going to start doing it too, though. I know men, plenty of men do the skincare shit. You just wouldn't even, they're not going to sit there and publicly tell you some men will just like some men go out and get pedicures and manicures. There's nothing wrong with it. And watch, eventually you're probably going to want to do it too. And listen, when I tell you now I get it, when I order like skin creams and stuff like that, I see this routine takes about five to 10 minutes. It's like, they know, okay, don't worry. This is exact. That's for me. I can't take forty-five minutes to put on skin cream and shit. You gotta give me the shit that's easy. I'm not fucking paying attention to what way I'm rubbing my skin and doing all this. I don't have time for that shit. I you got the way get, to be in a few you hours. You gotta let
1: one dry nap. before you put the other one on. Like that's it's gotta cream. soak into your skin. You can't. And I can't go to sleep yet because it's gotta like get into your pores before. Because otherwise, this is gonna be on your your pillow. See, I've had these conversations. I listen to to when my girlfriend's. Well, it sounds like I got many my exes when they were talking to me. Um, but like I actually do listen and I it annoys me how much I know about this shit because they're like, All right, first <laughs> you gotta put the clean you gotta wash your face because you gotta get the makeup off. And then you gotta get the cleanser, you gotta cleanse. Oh God. It's like it's ingrained in me. And I think I'm fighting back because I'm like, I know I will at some point because I'm gonna be like, oh shit, I I can see the eyes under my bags, but the, the bags under my eyes. <laughs> Um but my,
0: life, my bags yeah. are bigger than my eyes.
1: But like at this I think do you know what it is? As as soon as they start doing it, it motivates me to do it. Again, it's like you're doing it, so I might as well. I'm I'm already I'm there. I have to wait for you to go to bed anyway.
0: your skin, right? And your skin can't look better than mine either way, whether you're a female or not. Yeah. No so,
1: that
0: competition. But. <laughs> but listen, though that it's smart that you listen, though. That's smart, that's good.
1: Yeah, I listen, I just there's nothing, don't. There's
0: nothing wrong with that. Because then what are you going to end up doing, fighting with your girl all the time? Because I've told you before why it takes me so long. And you're going to sit there and be like, why does it take you so long? No, you listen the first time, so you get it. Go play a video game. Go join in the festivities. Put a little put a little cream on the eyes. Do whatever, you know what I'm saying? But at least you know what to expect. You know what they say, happy wife, happy life. Yeah. You know?
1: Well, first got to find a wife, and then maybe I'll have a happy life
0: understood yeah it, can you even go can you even go outside and find one right in now melbourne
1: cause? in melbourne you can we got rid of masks for most places oh. so head down here gyms everything dance floors life is pretty good so
0: you can see people's faces now can. So it's
1: not like playing roulette yeah yeah, yeah you, it's because you can't see their faces so you got to check them out and so that's that's maybe that's why I was like, they have teeth Maybe that's why I was like, oh, shit, I got to get the body in shape. They can't see my face. So, like, got to bring something to the party.
0: Oh, my goodness. Well, they're still we still got masks here in L.A. County, but this is supposed to be getting rid of that soon. We'll see. I don't care. I just want travel to happen so I can stop doing shows again. My well, God.
1: Yeah, come down to Australia. <laughs> we're keen for shows.
0: Um, I want to so bad. Definitely bucket list for me is one of the places I want to go real bad. So, you know, I was hoping, um, crooked Eye has been really doing like the, the crooks corner stuff and everything. So he hasn't been doing live shows. So I'm just like my fingers are crossed that when everything opens, they're going to hit him tours and he's going to be like, all right, beans we're going. So I'm hoping, cause I know there's a high demand for him down there. So,
1: well, I would love for him to come down and, no lie, it would be so amazing to have him on the show. That's like one of his because I've been a big fan of his for a for a while now. And there's there's some people I've interviewed where like I know of you, and then there's his on for me as the radar is like. Not only do I know of you, but I legitimately am a fan of yours. And it's an, and I would interview you in like i don't even know i don't i can barely speak right now and i'm just imagining speaking to <laughs> him like that's that's where i'm at in terms of like i don't even know where to begin
0: you're going to you'll get there you'll definitely get there he's he's so humble he's such a good guy you'll you'll have a you'll give him an amazing interview it'll be though so, should i have to pause stuff like that talk anyway pause but you're going to give him one of the best interviews ever in his life with speaking that into existence right now that's going to happen yeah it's going to happen
1: well, I only have one more question for you because I feel like we can talk forever. And you know, I always say we're, like, we like we do a loose budget on like how long this this is going to be. But I feel like literally you and I could be here for like three hours. Maybe this should be Twitch. It's just you and I talking for like uh, five I hours. Can, you
0: know, I was going to say drum raid one of these days. I can learn my Twitch while we sit there and talk shit. Maybe we should do that. We'll have to. We'll have to chat and maybe set yeah. that up.
1: We'll we'll organize that, but. This is my last question. It's the only question I plan. And do you know what? I actually think this is going to be a hard question for you specifically because you've listened and you choose so much music to curate. But if you had to recommend one album that everybody should listen to at least once to get an appreciation of, doesn't have to be hip hop, can be any genre, and obviously can't be your own music, what would you choose?
0: You know why it's really hard, but I'm going to say the first album that comes to my mind just because I I can't help it because it's one of those albums that made me really love an artist and I am going to go with Ty Farris, Ramen Noodle Nights. And that is because it's the first album that came to my mind when if I sit here and I would really like go back, I can think of other favorite albums, but to give you a why would be the hard part. With this album for me, so many people talk so much shit to me because I go so hard for Ty Ferris because he's one of my favorite artists, but this is why. So when I listen to his entire cat- uh, catalog, um, his I'm wearing a fucking Ty Ferris shirt right now too, which I just noticed. And that was not even done on purpose, but you we guys can't, can't see, see me. So- <laughs> no, you can't even see it. So, so-
1: <laughs> yes.
0: But he has this incredible ear. He's put me on to people like Ka, who is now like my favorite artist and stuff like that. So when you go back and you listen to this music and you listen to this album and you listen to the way it was arranged, um, if you have an ear for stuff like the mixing and little effects and things like that, that's put on it. I just say if you like underground hip hop, especially Ty Ferris Ramen Noodle Nights is such a good album to go to because there's so much versatility in it. So for some reason, when you asked that, it was the first thing that came to my mind. So that's, that's why I'm going to put that out there. It was something that made me become a true fan of his and then go back and listen to the rest of his catalog, knowing that like he mixes his own stuff. Um, I'm very, very big on sequencing and the curation of stuff. Um, and that album is always just something I use as an example when I speak to other artists and stuff like that to see when it comes down to sequencing and how things are placed. Like would that album have been so dope to me if he didn't mix things, certain songs the way he did, and uh, just shit like that? So I guess that would be more on somebody on like just a, just an overall music appreciation to go back and listen to that album. But I don't know. There's so many. There's so many others like in the. There is. That if, yeah, that is hard. There is.
1: There's no. There's no right answer and there's no wrong answer.
0: That's the thing. No, you you're absolutely right. I'm just like. There's so there's so many albums that when I'm like the ones to listen to in their entirety to be able to like listen to stuff like that, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I get you, and I'm big on album construction as well. I it was my catchphrase when we were reviewing uh, albums is like album construction. But yeah, I'm like I think the art of an album is so important when you when you drop it.
0: Yep. And that's why this one that I'm working on is taking me so long, because it's like I said, like the curation process, just people hear me constantly talk about sequencing. So I'm not going to bore the listeners with that. But, you know, my sequencing process can take weeks sometimes. So I just really appreciate that kind of stuff. And people don't realize how important when it comes down to the mixing and the mastering. Like and if you just put two songs in the wrong place, it can really fuck up how people hear those songs just because like I think one of the things I love about putting mixes together is now sometimes even myself I'll hear a song and I'll immediately expect to hear a specific song right after it because of how many times I've listened to them go together like that so it's like damn now I want to hear this song so I think something that has the power of doing that too to the point where you hear a song and you're like damn they put this together so well in my mind i hear that um when i'm when i'm listening to it so i've I've cursed myself with some of my mixes that i really like because now i'll be like damn i gotta go listen to my mix because now i want to hear all this together and yeah
1: i'm the same i overanalyze every project i i think we're all the same yeah i have that feeling where like you hear a song and you're like i know the next song and then it's just on a playlist i'm like fuck i need to go back and listen to it but Um, I, as I said before, we could talk for hours and you can see this transitioning into a completely new conversation. So I hate, I always hate doing this. I have to, I have to like cut it off and control myself because otherwise I end up with like eight hour episodes and then no one's listening to that. Or maybe I I was going to
0: say, I know how it is. And (laughs) as you see, I can talk for hours too. So,
1: but obviously DJ beans, I appreciate you coming through. I appreciate uh, the, we we talked about literally everything under the sun and please make sure you check her out. Please make sure you follow her on Instagram, on Spotify. When's a new project due to come by the way.
0: So uh, singles and videos should hopefully start dropping within the next, I'd say four months. Um, But I'm anticipating the entire album dropping probably the top of next year, just because the way I'm trying to do the rollout. Um, it could possibly end, come at the end of 2022, but right now I'm, I'm anticipating the top of next year, but singles are definitely going to start dropping in the next few months.
1: So make sure you check them out. I reckon Instagram, Twitter, what's your like preferred these days?
0: Um, honestly, I love Twitter because I love having conversations with people. It's a little more personal. So um, I'm really terrible with checking DMs. I'm trying to get better at that. But uh, my Twitter is holla at beans. Um. Just, you're going to have to search for DJ Beans. That one's a hard one. But DJ underscore Beans on Instagram. So I'm definitely on there more than anything.
1: As I said, pleasure coming through. Make sure you give her a follow. And obviously follow the Hip Hop Hustle podcast. Because like, yeah, might as well throw myself in there. I mean, if you're listening, you're probably following anyway. Um, But yeah, absolute pleasure. And we'll definitely have to do this again soon.
0: Hell yeah. Thank you for having me. But we're going to have to have a catch-up show at one point. Because I want to see if you end up getting to that whole uh, marathon.
1: Yeah, well, the marathon might be like a 10-year plan, and uh, so maybe <laughs> we'll, we'll make that a longer-term plan, but we'll have to speak before 10 years. You know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: No worries. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the show. Please like and subscribe and follow me on Instagram at the underscore hip-hop hustle for upcoming podcast news. Also, don't forget to check out my Patreon under hip-hop hustle for exclusive content and to help support the show. Bye for now.